pray first and then I'll tell you, okay? I'm going to get all my notes out and then I'll tell you. Father, we come before you tonight in the name of Jesus. And we just want to declare and say, Father, that we love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might. God, you are our Father. Jesus, you are our Savior. Holy Ghost, you are our uh, indweller. You are our uh, teacher. You are our comforter. And we just want to say how much we love you. We just want to say how much, God, that we are honoring you in our hearts. We want to say how much you mean to us, Lord. And we just want to thank you for this church. It just means so much to us. It means so much to me and Pastor. And I just want to thank you for it. I just want to thank you for the people that you've brought here. And I want to thank you, Lord, for your word. I want to thank you for the holy written word of God. It is so precious to us. And Lord, we are hungry for it. And we just love your word. And Lord, we ask you for revelation from the word. In tonight, in Jesus' name, that we can walk worthy of the calling with which you have called us. All of us walk in where we're supposed to walk. Oh, we just give you the praise and thanks for that, Lord. Let the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. Lord, let the, let the eyes of our heart be enlightened. Father, the seeing eye and the hearing ear, they are created by God. And we declare and say we have seeing eyes and hearing ears. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, thank God. For two weeks, I have been impressed strongly of the Lord. And we've been talking about healing and, you know, and the miracles of Jesus. And I love that. But I've been impressed that we needed to go back over some things concerning Psalm 91. Hallelujah. And so I've been preparing that and thinking about Psalm 91. And, and you know, everybody knows here that Psalm 91 is about protection, but we need to keep ourselves refreshed in these things. And I don't even know if we'll get to Psalm 91 tonight because I got other things that uh, I wanted to talk about this tonight. But I would, I'll read first a prophecy delivered by Dr. Creflo A. Dollar, May 24th of this year, in his 7.30 a.m. service. I figure if you have a 7.30 30 a.m. service. This is bound to be God, you know. <laughs> so in, in his 7:30 a.m. service on May 24th, he gave this word: July of this year will initiate a turning point and a change, and those who are in Christ Jesus will be loved, protected, and taken care of. But to those who are practicing wickedness and evil, God will no longer be ignored. And there will be events and things that will cause wicked men to reconsider their wicked ways. And we who are dead already, that he's talking about being dead in Christ Jesus. We who are dead already will be prepared to walk, through, walk those through their death and help them see their resurrection. Get ready. Soul winning like you've never seen it before is about to come. It's going to be one of those things where it's dark in Egypt and light in Goshen. Just make sure you're in Goshen. And so he gave that forth on uh, May 24th. Uh, and we were made privy to that. Um, I will tell you this. The prophetic websites, which I visit, there's you know, there's people that are lean towards the prophetic are just all a buzz about what's happening and things that are going on in the earth. And, um, you know, I don't I could read you four or five prophecies tonight about people that have prophesied things that are coming and things that are going to happen. And there's kind of two streams of prophecy, both of them being right. 
but one stream of prophecy that you hear a lot about kind of is like this. Um, it, one stream of prophecy is kind of like warnings of things that are coming. But there's another stream of prophecy that's running along right beside it that is telling about the awesome and mighty works of God that are, are, that are coming forth now and are continuing to come forth and going to come forth in a greater and greater and greater measure. You know, today I read about that Franklin Graham had the biggest evangelistic meeting in the Ukraine that the Ukraine has ever had in Kiev I believe and uh, and that just in one night uh, 40,000 people came, 6,390 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ and that's the biggest meeting Ukraine has ever had. That's the biggest evangelistic event that has ever happened. I think 240,000 people came in that entire uh, campaign that they did over in the Ukraine. So praise God for awesome things happening, awesome things transpiring, and those pr there's those prophetic words are going out for those kind of things. But then there's also that other stream that's flowing of of th things that are coming upon the earth that are not so good. And you know, mostly those are about the world and what's in the and and uh, but we just need to be in Psalm 91. We need to be in the secret place. And so that's why we want to talk about that and keep ourselves refreshed on that. Amen? I want us to look at some other scriptures first. In turn to Psalm chapter 4, verse 8. Hallelujah. These scriptures really Hallelujah. built my faith as I looked to them. You know, throughout the Word of God, we see protection and safety promised over and over and over. And we could just look up you know, hundreds of scriptures about protection and safety. Even if they don't use the word protection and safety, then it's still talking about protection and safety. And uh, so we could just look to hundreds and hundreds of scriptures, but yet when we look out in the body of Christ, we see Christian people that have calamity happening to them, sometimes even killing, getting killed, or, or, or having you know, terrible tragedies happening to them. And, you know, it, the body of Christ, I would think, as, a, as I, I, I believe, I don't know for sure, but it seems like if you took the entire body of Christ, there, there would be a great percentage of people that wouldn't be, wouldn't, don't really know if you can count on these scriptures. You know, and they've read them, but they like, well, you know, I don't know why that doesn't work or why that didn't happen. or, And so we need to know because there's things that make these scriptures work for us. There's things we have to do that cause these scriptures to work. It's not just being born again that causes these scriptures uh, to work on our behalf. Amen? And so we need to know what causes them to work. And we need to know how to walk in that safe place, how to be in that safe place, no matter what happens. And you know, um, the thing is, I was we were coming to church tonight, and you know, there's so much going on in the spirit realm and all these prophetic words, and there's so many things going on in the spirit realm, but yet I was driving, we were driving down the road, and the sky was blue, the sun's come out, the clouds have gone, and uh, I thought, God, it just looks so ordinary. It just looks so ordinary. It looks just like it's an ordinary day and everything's going to just continue like it is. 
and it just looks so ordinary. And you know, I think that most Christians get to looking at just the sun coming up and the blue sky and the pretty trees and the rain and they just look at these things ordinary things of life and they think that life is just ordinary but if you have that hearing ear and that seeing eye you know and you know if you don't ever watch the news and you don't ever read anything you can nearly fool yourself into thinking that life is just ordinary, that everything's just going to continue. Jesus probably isn't coming back soon. You could kid yourself and, you know, you could get to believe in that, right? Hallelujah. And so, uh, am I holding it wrong? Okay. <laughs> Praise God. They're giving me signals. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody come up here and hold it for me. <laughs> no, okay. So you could kid yourself into believing that. And you know, there's lots of Christians that they don't know anything about Israel. And they're not paying any attention. I know I used to be one of them. We'd watch the news and you'd hear a thing about Israel. And I'd say, whatever. I mean, I literally, I mean, it's like, whatever. They gave the Gaza Strip back to the Palestinians. Whatever. Not knowing that it had such tremendous spiritual significance. And now I'm watching carefully and listening carefully for everything that happens in Israel. Because I know that it is so important to what's happening to us. And you know, and so, and, and, and so we have things like that. We have things that, that uh, we open the door sometimes as a nation to bad things coming to our nation because of things and decisions that we make concerning Israel. And we have a godly president who loves God, who prays, but he also doesn't have complete understanding, just like a lot of us don't, uh, uh, concerning Israel and made some mistakes, him and Condoleezza Rice, in giving the in encouraging Israel to give back the the Gaza Strip, and so uh, that was a mistake. And that it, it, there's no doubt that there's things that are transpiring in the United States today, and and things that are happening just because we opened ourselves up, not because God says, "Oh, I'm going to judge that." No, we open ourselves up to it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And besides, God deals with nations of which the United States is one different than he deals with the church. And we always have to keep that separated, that he deals with nations different than he deals with the church. And because we're the church, we're also in a nation, and we may have to go through some stuff because of decisions our nation has made. That we that that as a church, God wants us to be protected from and delivered from, but still it affects us. Do y'all see what I'm saying? And you know, you can see that real easy. See, we get to know, well, yeah, but we're a Christian nation. Yeah, but we've made some non-Christian decisions. You know, but you can see that real easy if you think about the the Christians in Iraq. They're having to go through some stuff that God doesn't want the church having to go through. There's Christians in Iraq. And But that, their nation has got bad stuff happening to it because of the decisions the, na the nation has made. And that's true in every nation of the earth. There's Christians in every nation. Amen? And so there's things like that that are all working. And the point I'm trying to make is we need to have a seeing eye and a hearing ear. We can't just be oblivious to the things that are going on in the spirit and in the spirit realm and, and, and expect to, to walk safely. Amen? And you know, you can kid yourself that nothing's happening because you live in West Alabama 
And you know, if you live in uh, Gordo, you can convince yourself more. You know, or Seagraves, hallelujah, or Seminole, uh, where we came from, Seminole, but they had 120, 97 mile an hour wind with 120, guess to 120 straight line wind that took a big tower and put it right down the middle of a brand new church. Uh, so even things in Seminole happen sometimes, even way out there. And so, um, but we can kid ourselves that nothing's happening, but hallelujah, there's things happening in the spirit realm. And so we have to be on a spiritual alert. Are y'all in Psalm chapter 4, verse 8? And it says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Now, he's the only thing that can get you in safety. We can do a lot of things. You know, you can set alarms and you can put, uh, you know, some of our neighbors have... Uh, like those black bars on their outside of their windows. Those are real attractive de in decor, don't you think? It's like, well, you know, I'm just, I, <laughs> I'm too much of a decorator to have black bars on my windows. It's just like, I'll just go be with Jesus, you know, if it comes to that. But anyway, but no, the only thing that's going to cause us to dwell in safety, and I'm not saying that we don't need just sleep with your door unlocked and stuff, but you know, folks, if you get into this secret place, and I have actually got up in the morning and our garage door being standing open, and they could literally have walked right in. You know, have y'all ever done that? It's like, well, thank God for the holy angels. You know, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. And I'm sure you've done the, done the very same thing. Psalm 27. You know, if you've got, if you're in the safety place, I don't care if you leave every door open accidentally, and what you do, you're safe. But if you're not in the safety place, like Collins told me before, Mom, if they want to get in, they can. You know, and so my thinking is that they can't because, hallelujah, I, they can't, but I know what he's saying in the natural. That would be not a hard thing. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Where, When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. You know, that's even a great scripture for uh, sickness, cancer. When my came up to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I that I, desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall, he shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's a good scripture, isn't it? Turn to Psalm 56, verse 4. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 56, 4. In God I will praise His word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Psalm 118 and verse 6. You're going to have to turn fast. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Psalm 118, verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? Proverbs 1, 33. 
But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Now we're talking about earlier how it's not enough just to be born again. So in this verse we see some conditions. In nearly all the verses you'll see a, a, a uh, to every promise there's a condition. Or there's, a, there's something, there's our side and there's God's side. There's something we need to do. And he said here you, in order to dwell uh, in safety and sh to be quiet from fear of evil, you had to hearken. That means to listen with an intent to obey. Hallelujah. Not enough to, you know, a lot of people just don't obey God. You have to listen. You have to have a listening ear, a hearing ear. You have to have your ear tuned to the Spirit if you're going to have complete safety and dwell completely in safety with no fear of evil. And I believe personally that when we have a breach and we know that's been breached, something that shouldn't have happened then we we have had we've got a breach in our wall and that's sometimes from not listening if we had been listening amen we wouldn't have that breach and i know there's been times when i heard and talked myself out of things i've said oh that's just me you've said it too or i've said but i'm learning more to to heed it I know this morning I was planning to go at 10:30 down to run some errands, and I just there's, and I kept being delayed. I, something kept happening to delay me, and I just and finally, but after a minute or two, I caught on, and I just said, "Okay, I am not going until I get released." And you know, usually what that always means is there's a wreck. That there's a wreck, and I just don't get in wrecks, and I don't happen on wrecks, and I just God helps me avoid wrecks if I listen. Amen. So, I, but so it's, it's important to learn to listen and to tune your ear to listen and to make up your mind to listen. And you know, it's better to be on, to be on the side of, of you know, um, like if you don't know if it's you or God, well, go ahead and assume it's God. And the worst thing can happen is it wasn't God. And, but you know how these things are. You never sometimes know what it was you missed. You know what I'm saying? But there's so you need to hearken. Proverbs 18.10. Hallelujah. We're going to look at Psalm 91 eventually, but I just wanted to go through. You know, there's more places in the Bible that promise safety than, the, than just Psalm 91. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And this also lines up with Psalm 91. We'll get to that later. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. We need to be using the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is very powerful. And we not only use it uh, in our prayers, but uh, there's something for you. If you, When you get in a tight, run into it. Run into the name of Jesus. You start crying out and calling out the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, Proverbs 18, and it doesn't matter who you are in front of or who you're with. Thank you, Jesus. You know, if you're ashamed of the Lord, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Hallelujah. The Bible says in eternity you're going to be in trouble if, you have a, if you're ashamed of the Lord. And people don't know you're Christian and maybe they, you know, don't know the level of your commitment. You're in trouble with God, I can tell you. We're not to be ashamed of the gospel. We're not to be ashamed of who we are in Christ. And you know what? If you're hiding who you are, that tells us one thing for sure. You're not being a witness. 
You're not witnessing and you are already in mortal danger. If you're not, if you're not, if you're uh, ashamed of God. Psalm, Proverbs 21, 31 says, The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. And what that verse is talking about is it doesn't matter how much you prepare, safety is of the Lord. And you can gather food up and store it. And there's people that got food under their beds and food. You know, there's Christians. And because we were taught, we were told to do that. You know, do y'all remember back, way back when, when they were saying get grinders and grind wheat and, you know, and people bought those. And I know we even thought, well, maybe we're supposed to, but somehow we just never got around to it. I don't know why. But, you know, now we know enough to know we don't need to do that. Now, I would do it if God spoke to me. But, you know, uh, Praise God. Unless He speaks to us, we don't have to do that. Amen? But no matter how much you're prepared against the day of battle, your safety is of the Lord. It's just like those soldiers. It don't matter how much we train them and how many guns we give them and how well we teach them to shoot. They can be the ultimate of prepared. But if they don't go in with God, they're in danger. Amen? Proverbs 29:25. And that doesn't mean we never prepare for anything, you know, but we listen to the Holy Ghost for what we need to do to prepare. Proverbs 29:25. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man bringeth a snare. Isaiah 54:14. That means it's a trap. If you're afraid of men, it'll be a trap to you. Hallelujah. <clears throat> if you're afraid of what men think about you, if you're afraid of, uh, you know, or if you're afraid, if I let people know who I am in Christ and I'm a preacher, I might be persecuted or something. Or I'm a, uh, you know, uh, they, if they know I speak in tongues, if they know I go to that church, I might be persecuted. I might and be afraid of men. You know, that's a snare. That's a trap. Hallelujah. And and that and that there's no safety in that. There's no hallelujah. Praise God. Isaiah 54:14 In righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. I want you to look at this uh, in in here. I want you to look at that phrase, thou shalt not. Does that remind you of something? Y'all remember thou shalt not Thou shalt not. Ten times thou shalt not. What is that called? The Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not fear here is not a suggestion. It's a commandment. It's not a, it's not a encouragement. It's not even a promise. It's, this is not a promise to you. You shall not fear. You shall never feel fear. No, it is a commandment. Thou shalt not fear. And you may feel fear. You may, your, the hair may stand up on the back of your neck. You may feel all sorts of feelings of fear, but thou shalt not fear. I will not fear. And you have to grab a hold of it when you're tempted to fear because fear will suck you under. Fear will suck you under. Fear will defeat you. And so when you get the bad report or anything like that, you thou shalt not fear. I will not fear. I will not fear. And you know the temptation, it's going to try to come. Fear is a spirit. 
and it'll try to come by and get on you. Amen. But thou shalt not. Hallelujah. Hebrews 13, 6. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, when you let yourself get over into fear, you're not in safety anymore. You're not safe because that's not a safe place because fear's not faith. And so don't let yourself go there. Amen. And your heart may be racing and your temples may be pounding. And, you know, thank you, Jesus. But thou shalt not fear. And you just have to grab hold of yourself and say, no, we're just not going there. We're not going to fear. We're going to trust in God. Hebrews 13, 6. And you train yourself to do that. See, we've been trained in the South to be fearful if we hear a sea of a cloud and... You know, and I'm not gay. I'm not condemning people in the South. I think there's more of a propensity towards it here, because when I'll just tell you this: I was scared of thunderstorms. Boy, I had a ter I had a, I was terrified of thunderstorms before we got filled with the Spirit. But I didn't know anybody else that was. But here you can find partners to be in fear with you about it. I didn't know anybody else that was acting like me in West Texas. And I was acting crazy because fear is not rational. And uh, I, I was, uh, I had let fear in over pastor. He was farming and this big cloud came and we were living in a mobile home. And I said, let's get out of here. And he said, I got to take a shower. And when it hit, he was in the shower. And so going through that, I let fear get in me. And I, I had probably already put some seeds in there as a child and, and, and stuff, but I let fear get in. And I was petrified. And I'm telling you, it didn't have to thunder. It didn't have to rain. It didn't even have to be a big cloud. I always say it like this, a cloud as small as a man's hand could come up. And, you know, and I was packing diaper bags and making formula, and I'd have 14 bottles like it was going to last for six days, you know. And I'd have, I would, I'd have a diaper bag with diapers and two and clothes and 14 bottles. And, and uh, you know, Colin was going to have plenty to eat. That was that was for sure. And, and you know, baby food and hallelujah. And, and, and at 2 o'clock in the morning, I have made pastor take me to First Baptist Church Seagraves and get under a metal awning. You talk about irrational. That first of all, that a church couldn't be hit. I guess I just thought God didn't let those things happen to churches. You know, really, I wasn't thinking. It, it's not like I thought any of these things through. I didn't think it through. It was irrational. But, you know, I began to realize... I need deliverance. And we got filled with the Spirit. I got started realizing, I heard some people talking about deliverance, and I'm thinking, I need it. I need it bad. And so I got delivered. Hallelujah. And you know how I got delivered? This lady came to my grandmother's house, and she, my grandmother said, well, she kind of has this thing about deliverance. And so I told her, you know, the situation, and she said, okay, I'm going to tell you what to do, and you cast it out. She didn't cast it out of me. And I don't know if it was, you know, if I had a, I know I had a, I was being oppressed by that demon of fear. And I told it in Jesus' name, just what she told me to tell it to go. And it left. And it didn't ever come back. And now I don't get afraid about thunderstorms. Now I'm still tempted to be afraid sometimes of things. But I'm not packing bottles and, well, yeah, I wouldn't be packing bottles. <laughs> well, that would be nuts, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. No. Uh, anyway, Hebrews 13, 6. And so I got delivered. And you, you can be delivered too. But mostly, you can be just delivered. As we're reading this word, you know, you just make up your mind, no. 
I will not fear. I will not fear. Amen. And, and you know, if something happens at the school and somebody there's with a gun, you're not one of those parents that's just gone berserk trying to get your kids out of there. Let me tell you something, parents. You pray your children into safety. You don't try to, you can't protect them. I guarantee you they're going to do some things they're not supposed to do. They're going to get in the storm drain. And you'll find out when they're 25, they'll come and confess to you all the things they did that they weren't supposed to do. And, you know, they will. All the, the things they play, but, you know, you pray them to safety. And then you don't have to, I'm not saying we don't watch them, and, but you know what I'm saying? You can be at peace when they're at school. And you don't have to be frantic all the time. And you don't have to, you know, we had a friend and, and she'd bring her little boy Brent over and, they, and she wouldn't let Brent in the backyard with Colin. Not because of Colin, she just wouldn't let him out of her sight. You know? And boy, to go to the alley and all little boys, you can't grow up if you don't play in the alley. You're not going to be normal if you don't get to play in the alley and if you don't get to climb trees and set a few things on fire. I mean, Pastor, he, he, he said he'd lit more ant beds on fire than poured gasoline. Now, I'm not recommending this, youth. It's stupid to do it, but you've probably already done it. And so, parents, you get on and you get them protected in your prayer time. And the Word will watch over them and the Word will protect them. And then when you catch them doing it, beat the fire out of them too. Then that will prevent them from, uh, you know, trying to do it again. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> you know, you can hope it. Well, I mean, it will be a certain amount of a deterrent. If they know. If we get caught. Hebrews 13, 6. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, hallelujah. Thank God for His protection. And so we'll talk about Psalm 91. But I wanted to talk about, you know, uh, I'll just tell this little story, I think. I felt led to. Uh, we were watching last night. Oh, we watched... Uh, after we had had a prayer, we watched uh, Perry Stone. Some of you have heard of Perry Stone, and uh, I record him, and I'll watch him sometimes. And uh, uh, he had a pastor from Texas on there, from Lamarck, Texas. I'd never heard of that town. But anyway, uh, he had this pastor on there whose daughter, whose 17-year-old daughter, I think it was in 2002 or three, four, maybe, I don't know, was killed in a plane crash. Her, his 17-year-old, baptized in the Holy Ghost, spirit-filled, never did anything wrong, never caused him any grief, never uh, holy preaching machine invited to preach in other churches, and was the uh, he was she was the uh, head of his junior high youth and preached to them, and they were actually going to look at a youth building to see if it would, uh, just to get ideas for a building they were building, and the plane crashed, and she died. Her and two other people in the church, and then two young men in the church didn't die. And so, uh, of course, this pastor, um, he, he said, you just can't imagine 
you're devastated, you know. And he said God spoke to him immediately and told, took him to Isaiah. And I want to show this to you, but we're techno. We're not real techno at our house. And it says you can record TiVo to VCR tape. We hadn't been able to make that happen ever. But anyway, uh, so, uh, but uh, she, uh, anyway, let me get to the point of the story. Uh, it, the Lord told him not to grieve, not to let grief get on him. That grief is a spirit and that grief is addictive. And that grief, you get a high from grief. And that it's a, it's a, it's a, and you, it's kind of like, it's a negative thing, but you kind of do get a little surge from feeling bad. And so the Lord told him not to ever let that get in. And so him and his wife resisted that. And for four months, they just know in Jesus' name and resisted it. And rejoiced over her being in heaven and rejoiced over the time they'd had with her and all those things. But he just kept thinking, this is not just. This is unjust. This girl was awesome. This girl was godly. This is not just. And he said, so in the four months, after four months, Jesus woke him up in the middle of the night. He woke up at 3.22 a.m. And later he found out, they didn't know it then, but later he found out that was the exact time that the, uh, the FAA said that the plane crashed and she died. FAA said 3.22. And Jesus came to his bed and woke him up at 3.22 and stood there and began to talk to him immediately. He just laid there and Jesus talked. And Jesus said, I know exactly how you feel. I lost three of my, my best friends. And that it was every, t every one of them. It was unjust. And Jesus told him who they were, John the Baptist, James, the brother of John, and who else? Stephen. And he said, I and it was unjust every time. It was unjust. And then Jesus uh, told him from Luke chapter 13. And it all came from Luke 13. And this was so awesome. This is so powerful. The four reasons, and I just had such a witness to it. The four reasons why things happen to people. Now this applies to Psalm 91 because... Just because there are these reasons don't mean that if we know some things, we can't avoid some things. But the first one in Psalm in Luke chapter 13 was, uh, and you know we may you may hear this again because I don't know we may, I don't know this. There's just lots of applications for this. Luke 13, uh, it says in the very first verse, there were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So, and then Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things. I tell you, no, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Uh, and so Jesus, from Luke 4, 13, told him the four reasons why things happen to good people. And this was one of them. And these men were martyred. These men were martyred here. And it was unjust. It was an unjust thing. These men were martyred by Herod. And uh, uh, and Jesus was not, he said it wasn't because they sinned that this happened to them. And if you read in the Amplified, it's more clear. But he's not just saying, now don't you, if you don't repent, bad things are going to happen to you. But what he said to them was, if you don't repent, you will perish too. And you will go into everlasting death. 
He actually, it actually says that in the Amplified, something to that effect. It's not just, okay, something bad. If you don't repent, something bad's going to happen to you. He was trying to make a point to them that if you don't repent, worse than this is going to happen because you're going to be everlastingly perishing. Amen? And so, uh, uh, so people are martyred for their faith. 167,000 every year, I think that's, that's what they said on the program, in the world are martyred for their faith. And we know that's not in the United States, obviously. Uh, and so, uh, <clears throat> but people ha ha are martyred. But even then, if we know some things, we can avoid some things. We know that's true because they tried to they tried to stone Jesus and stuff, and he passed through the crowd by obeying the Holy Ghost. He passed through the crowd and he avoided situations. And so, even though people are martyred, and that's why it happens, is is why things happen sometimes, is because because uh, there's hate out there. There's hate and there's hate crimes. Amen. And you know, things like that are actually starting more and more to happen in the United States. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, there's people in this town that hate us. Probably people that hate you. And, and it's the devil, it's not them. It's the devil. And, uh, and then he showed him, he just took him through these scriptures and he said... Uh, and, and verse 4, are those 18 whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them? Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Does anybody have the Amplified Bible right there handy where we could see what it says? Okay. What does it say there? Because it tells... You read it. It's too little for me. What verse was that? Four. Of those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were more guilty offenders, debtors, than all the others who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, change your mind for the better, and heartily amend your ways with abhorrence of your past sins, you will all likewise perish and be lost eternally. Yeah, he's talking more about not that you're going to be, you're going to have a tragedy like this. He's not talking about that. He says you're going to perish, you're going to be lost eternally. These people perish, but they're not lost eternally. Amen? And so uh, things happen in the earth, Jesus told this pastor, because, there, because of the curse, there are just accidents that just happen. There are just accidents that happen, like bridges falling, and, and, and you know, some of that is human failure. You know, people are working on airplanes and somebody comes in and they're distracted and they forget to put a bolt in. And those that's just human error and those things happen, just accidents in the earth. There's things we can do to avoid those kind of things. One of them is hearkening. Amen? I believe that God always tries to tell us. But sometimes we'll see people die and we'll go, oh, that is so unjust. And I just, and get mad at God and that is so unfair and why didn't God save them? Well, how do you know he didn't try to? How do you know they didn't listen? Because see, a lot of people though just think God's got a magic wand up in heaven and he could just wave a wand over them and just save them. But no, there's some things they've got to do. And we'll find that out in Psalm 91. We're not going to get there tonight. But then he went on and said... Um, 
And then he spake unto this also this parable. And this is what Jesus told this man, this pastor. A certain man had a fig tree, this is verse 6, planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. And here's what the Jesus said to the pastor. When people don't do what they're called to do, what they're supposed to do, what they're called to do, it opens them up to the curse. And that's what he told them. When people don't do what they're called to do, it opens them up to the curse. And then Jesus went on and told him the third, the fourth reason, and it's down in verse 11, and it says, And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And so Jesus heals this woman, but why has is, why is she got this problem in her life? And she could have died, she, you know, if she hadn't believed Jesus. You know, if she hadn't used her faith. Well, why? Because there's spirits of infirmity in the earth. There's, spirit, there's sickness in the earth. There's contagious diseases in the earth. Well, there's things we can do about that. Amen? We don't need to be opening ourselves up to things, but we're going to have to listen to the Holy Ghost. And you know, we don't have to have a long, drawn-out, explained reason why God doesn't want us to do something. And if you have to have that, you're in danger already. If you have to have reasons, if you have to have... If the Holy Ghost can't just tell you no, or if you can't even go by the inward unction... Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't bring that into your house. I believe personally people bring sickness into their house sometimes because of what they bring allow to come into their house because spirits can attach themselves to things. Spirits hang out around things. And you know, just because you don't see it, you don't understand it, doesn't mean it's not true. And so we open ourselves up. And sometimes I'll tell you, I know this for certain, there's people that are not getting healed that it's not their faith. It's because they haven't got rid of the stuff that they need to get rid of in their life or in their home. Sometimes it's in our life. Sometimes it's in our thought life. But they won't deal with those things. They won't get rid of it. And so that spirit of infirmity just keeps dogging them and hanging around and hanging around. And their words of authority don't work because they're not cleaning house. You've got to clean out things. And it, sometimes it may, you know, but some people are afraid of looking silly. For some people are afraid of being radical. Some people are afraid of being, oh, that's just, you know, that's just way beyond what God requires. Well, God requires what He requires. And if you want to walk healthy and free and completely well, you're going to have to obey Him. I've gotten rid of lots of books and stuff before because it just, you know, if something made me uncomfortable, I got rid of it. And, you know, I know there's people, though, that are comfortable with things that are dealing, that are dealing misery in their home. And, but they're comfortable with it, but they're comfortable with it because they harden their heart. And they don't listen to God. They don't listen to what's said from this pulpit. They don't listen to the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You know, somebody might know more than you. Imagine that. And you're not teachable and you don't listen. And then so, so you have spirits of infirmity that hang out in your home. And, 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 you, do, and you have these little nagging things. No, you're not dying. But you, you, know, you wonder why. You know, we ought to be getting well. 
And Brother Hagin even said, if you don't start getting well pretty fast, you need to start looking for the reason. Folks, if you've got somebody in your family that's been sick two or three years or had something and it's just not getting better, you need to look for the reason because there is a reason. You're not waiting on God and you're not having done all to stand standing there for. You're, and it's not even because you don't have faith. It's more about, in this church, it's always probably more about not obeying God, being disobedient, having things that we're not, you know, there might be uh, VCR tapes that just, you know, demons hang out around that stuff and have a right to. You got a Buddha in your house, guarantee you, guarantee you, the, a de devils love to hang out around Buddhas. And you know, I even those nail places, I wouldn't, I, you know, it's, it's not, I was uncomfortable. When we were in Trustful, I'd go to a nail place and Buddha was sitting in there and they had fruit piled all around him. And you know, I was so uncomfortable the whole time I was in there. It just wasn't worth it. And you know, I so, so now <laughs> I pay more to get, to not have Buddha. Because if you can get it done cheaper with Buddha, it costs more without Buddha. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But he makes me uncomfortable. Why? Because I'm scared of him? No, I just don't want, I'm not just, I, you know, I don't want to fund that, for one thing. I'm not going to fund it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there's places that, you know, that demon spirits hang out in places. And, you know, if you're supposed to be there, then you know it, then be there. Somebody said the prisons, hospitals, and where else? Don't remember. There's one three where demons hang, that they're full of demons. We know that's true. You can feel it when you walk in the door. Psychiatric places. Well, we know that's right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But, oh, there's so many things that, that you could watch on as far as movies where you could invite things into your home. There are so many things, and some of them don't even appear all that bad. But uh, if you just look at them on the service, but we need to we need to consult the Holy Ghost. We need to ask Him. Amen. Amen. Because there's reasons for these things, and there's things we're going to have to do. We're going to have to hearken. We're going to have to listen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, how many of you are willing to listen? I just don't have anything I'm not willing to get rid of. Amen? I just don't have anything. And I did, and it, it wasn't popular, and it made me look stupid in front of people. And they're still talking about it in Seagraves, Texas. But the Holy Ghost drew my attention to that. That was not something that needed to be in my house. And so I dealt decisively with it. Talked it over with my husband, and we dealt decisively with it. And boy, I tell you, you know, the, my, the mistake I made was putting it in the dumpster. And I didn't know we had a dumpster diver living behind us. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, boy, and she also was a sister blabbit. And um, thank you, Jesus. But um, it, it wasn't, it made me look stupid. But what do I care? I've been living the abundant life. Amen. For a lot of years, I've been living the abundant life. And you know, even if there's nothing wrong with it, maybe it's just a test. 
to what God would ask you to give. God will ask you to give things up just to test you to see if you'll obey Him. He'll ask you to give away things just to test you. Hey, but you know, I'm going to tell you something. If you're getting rid of something, because don't give away your demons. And don't sell them in the garage sale either. <laughs> don't give away your books that have bad doctrine in them. And don't sell them at the thrift store either. If, they, if, they're, not, if they're bad doctrine, you need to throw them away. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? Well, we're going to dwell in safety. But we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do what it takes because some people and some Christians are willing to be mostly safe, but I want to be completely safe. I want to be completely, hallelujah! I want to do what He's called me to do. Uh, you know uh, that pastor talked about uh, some people haven't obeyed the call of God. They've been lazy and they procrastinate, and it's opened them up to the curse. Well, you know, we've got to judge ourselves in that. Have we done everything that God called us to do? As a, you know, have, you know even Pastor and I said, you know, we've got to judge ourselves in that. Have we, are we doing everything? Or are we procrastinating? And yeah, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do that. And yeah, one of these days. Well, you know, uh, we need to fish or cut bait because Jesus is going to come back. If we're really supposed to do it. And you know, sometimes we've just gotten this idea and we're not really supposed to do it. You know, sometimes we need to just kill some stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's like, because you can just get an idea, but it's not from God. And you think, oh, that'd be fun. Or I'd like to do that. Or I'd like to have that. I want one of those. I'd like to go there. I'd like to have a motorcycle. I'd like to have a... Uh, a houseboat. I'd like, yeah, I, you know, I watched on TV that uh, a, something on the Travel Channel about houseboats. Boy, I was wanting to move into one. It looks so fun. I'm like, oh, this sounds like fun. I want one of those. They was just having a big time. And I mean, I got convinced, but I don't even like water, folks. I mean, I like the swimming pool, but I don't like anything you can't see the bottom. You know, there's creatures in there. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you know, I, you say, well, that's fear, Debbie. No, I don't like anything. I don't want anything swimming by me. I don't want to feel anything. Just don't want to feel it. Hallelujah. We nearly, we had a, nearly had an evacuation the other night because there was some little black thing on the bottom of the pool. And I said, I don't, what is that? Somebody get it. It might be a water moccasin. I thought they was going to, they was just, <laughs> no, it was just a leaf, a long leaf. No. Hallelujah. But you know what I'm saying. But uh, we shall not fear. Hallelujah. You know, some things we need to kill. Sometimes we need to raise a knife too. That didn't originate from God. And you know, we need to not be short-sighted. And we need to know how much time is left before Jesus comes back. And I'll tell you, a lot of things you're thinking, you don't have time to do it. You don't have time to build it. You don't have time to do it. Now, that doesn't mean God won't bless you. God's going to bless you, and we're going to be blessed and to here on out. But you're not going to have time to do some of that stuff. We need to be all about the kingdom and building the kingdom. And, you know, not so much about what we can build and what we can have and what we can do and what we can, you know, hallelujah. It's a time. It's not a time to get 16-year projects. It's not a time to make investments that say, in 20 years, this will really pay me big. That's, it's not time for that. That's foolish. That's being short-sighted. You're not listening to the Holy Ghost. Amen? Praise God. Well, let's listen. Let's listen up. Thank you, Jesus. And let's kill some things. 
And sometimes it's not even, you know, there's just not time in the day to do some things that you'd like to do. Might be knitting or needlepointing or, you know, the Lord, when we left Texas, I had a Christmas pillow. I'll just tell you this. <laughs> I had a Christmas pillow that I'd been needlepointing for five years. Now, this is, a, this is a spectacular thing. It is an heirloom. If we was going to be here that long, I could pass it down through the generations because I'm telling you, this was work. And I, it was entertaining. I enjoyed it. I like needle crafts. And it said Merry Christmas on it and everything. And so the Lord, when he, we started, before I started realizing we were moving, I felt the Holy Ghost urging me to finish that pillow. And so I started working on it, and I started getting it finished. And it, I had spent five years, but I wasn't working steady for five years, but off and on. And so I got it finished, and it, it cost $100 to have this needlepoint thing made into a pillow. The pillow is fancy. I mean, it's got, well, I don't even tell you. You wouldn't even understand but uh, if I told you, but it is fancy. It's finished fancy. And, you know, boy, it is, it is an investment. And so, but the Lord told me, about needlepoint, I said, Lord, you know, am I not supposed to needlepoint anymore? Because I'm like, why are you wanting me to finish this? And I'm moving, and then I, by that time, I, by the time I got finished, I realized I'm moving to Alabama. And I said, what do I do about this? And he said, he said, uh, he, he, he led me to know that needlepoint wasn't, I wasn't supposed to feed that desire anymore. I wasn't supposed to feed it. Well, you think, well, why does God care about needlepoint? He don't. But he knew I didn't have time. Amen. There's not time for everything under the sun. Amen. And he said, don't feed it. Well, you know what I did? I disobeyed him. And we went back to Texas on a trip, and I went to the needlepoint store and bought me some more canvases. About three or four more angel canvases. Spent about Those canvases for needlepoint are expensive. Um, people don't know that. Pastor don't know how much they cost. But <laughs> that was probably about $100 or $150. But you know, I knew I was disobeying. <laughs> I knew I was disobeying God. I knew it. But I was like, well, God, you know, but God, you don't care. I know you don't care. And I'm bored. I'm bored and trustful. I need to, I need to, you know. But you know what? I never did end up touching them. And, and I think I end up giving them away. They're gone now. See, God knows what you need to put your hand to and what you don't. Amen? Well, stand up, and I won't tell you any more needlepoint stories ever again. I promise. Because that's the only one I have.